eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp, joined here by Blake Alderman. We're your staff writers for Swamp 24-7. Blake, let's get right into it. We talked about on the podcast last week that we thought Arkansas was probably going to be Florida's last really true remaining test. You know, the, the, the other teams on the schedule probably aren't going to pose much of a threat. Florida comes out without Kyle Pitts in the lineup, really handles business. What was your takeaway from Florida's 63-35 to win over the Razorbacks? You know, kind of surprising just because I figured Florida would win. We were talking last time whenever I think the spread was 17 points. I thought it would be more like a 10-14 type game. I figured Florida, I think we both pretty much thought that this would be a comfortable win for Florida, but maybe not one where they just completely go out and just, you know, dominate. And it's, you know, just this big wide gap. I thought things would be a little bit slower with Kyle Pitts not there. Man, I was wrong. Like, Mm -hmm. Kyle Trask had a game, um, you know, spread around to a lot of weapons. Um, We knew that Florida's offense was explosive, had a lot of weapons, but I think whenever you see what they still did without Kyle uh, Pitts there, and and this wasn't an Arkansas defense, especially in the secondary, that was really any kind of slouch either, so I think it makes it all that more impressive that a guy like Kyle Trask comes in and puts in six touchdowns, and, you know, he's sitting there with his headset off near the end of the game, just kind of chilling, and, you know, uh, you know, easy day for him, it seems, so I think that... um, we both expected Florida to win, but I just, I was a little surprised at how quickly they jumped out there and, you know, really imposed their will. And, you know, we've been talking about this, you know, Florida get out and have that hot start and that's exactly what they did. So it was good to see that. Yeah. You know, what's really standing out to me, I think now that we're kind of in the middle of year three for Dan Mullen is, and we knew this kind of going into his tenure as a coach, just how good he is as a game planner, as a coach, you know, you have the Georgia game last week where, Florida just ate them alive on the wheel route, really found that matchup that they liked, getting those linebackers isolated and man-to-man coverage against Florida's running backs, and they just went after it all day long. We come out against Arkansas, and you could see very early on it was a different game plan. You know, you didn't really see much of the wheel route at all. Instead, against Arkansas, I think the concern for Florida going in was how good Arkansas's linebackers were. We talked about it in the, in the preview bumper pool and, and just that entire group being really, really good. Florida had a a clear plan established to go after those guys. And basically what they did was they would fake quick screens out and then look deeper, or they would, uh, you know, fake, fake a quick run and then throw it outside. And basically what that did was just freeze those linebackers. And I thought that really neutralized what Arkansas was good at on defense. And I, I just keep seeing this theme of, you know, it, it looks different every week. And I think Dan Mullen 
has really started to talk about that. You know, the media is starting to catch on to, or the Florida media, I should say, because by and large, the national media has recognized this for quite some time in terms of Dan Mullen being such a good game planner and play caller. But you're seeing that they're able to craft an individual plan to beat teams regularly. And I think the, the fact that they are able to execute it so cleanly really speaks a lot to what Kyle Trask has brought to this offense and his understanding. I mean, when you lose a guy like Kyle Pitts and he's out and you can basically no sweat at all accomplish the exact same thing on offense, that's a system that works really, really well. And I think at this point in year three under Dan Mullen, obviously you're not always going to have a quarterback who processes things as quickly as Kyle Trask does. But I think you're starting to see just the, the foundation that Mullen has built. And this is, well, you know, we talked about this when he was hired, you know, that the, the floor was going to be pretty high for Florida, you know, where you're never going to have probably those four win type seasons that they'd had, you know, under Will Muschamp, under Jim McElwain. The floor is so high because of who Dan Mullen is as a coach. And then we, you know, we've talked about it in the past. All you need now is to get that recruiting up just a hair. And I think you're looking at a team that can compete for championships. You know, and I think that's what we're starting to see. You no, you did. I'm still here for a second. Sorry, I got a little, little, little weird there. But I think that's what you're starting to see. I think you're starting to see, um, you know, just things come together. I think that, you know, we've talked about that Mullen has done a really good job of putting together a roster. That's through the transfer portal. And I mean, look at Trayvon Grimes, Justin Shorter. I mean, these are guys that they've got out of the transfer portal that are still having success there. You see the future of that tight end position with a guy like Keon Zipper getting two touchdowns there. So Florida's definitely got some weapons. And I, I think it's, it's, it's good to see – because, you know, like you said, in the Georgia game, you see a lot of those wheel routes. You know, they do different things. Florida just has such a deep team, and I feel like the more and more I watch them and the more and more you see them change their game plan up and put this into this play and this is the plan here, you just see how deep they really are with playmakers. And heading into the season where you see Florida has lost, you know, Van Jefferson, um, you know, uh, Josh Hammond, Freddie Swain, all those guys that were kind of those household names at wide receiver, that was a spot that I was uh, – not eerie of, or, you know, not really knowing what they had there, but it's just a lack of, of really game experience there. And just to see them not miss a beat, I think it just shows that, you know, this staff is really good at continuing to develop guys. And, and it's, it's, it's good to see through the future. And I think that, uh, you know, they're, they're definitely going to ride this year. And I think it can help them even more on the recruiting trail because winning doesn't suck on the recruiting trail, man. It definitely helps you out there. And, and, and uh, you know, Florida's got about a month left until the early signing periods and a couple targets left there. So I think you're going to see some recruiting uptick. I mean, you're seeing it this time. You're going for their third straight top 10 class. So they do a really good job through the transfer portal. They've got another five-star and Demarcus Bowman on the way through the transfer portal after you committed to them from Clemson. So Mullen's definitely adding some firepower. Yeah, we talked about it a lot, I think, in the offseason, that Dan Mullen, with his recruiting, and I'm talking just recruiting, I'm not necessarily talking transfer portal, which they've obviously done really well in, he's really filled out the roster. You know, the, the, the bottom parts of his recruiting class are significantly better than what we saw under um, Jim McElwain. Now, Will Muschamp did pretty well on that as well. Um, but you're seeing that bottom part of the roster, that's where the depth is starting to emerge from because not only are they good at – They've kind of raised the ceiling, I guess, in that lower part of the class. But they've also been really, really good developing guys. And I think when you watch particularly, you know, this Arkansas game, Zone Forsyth, I mean, watch that guy. That's a guy that has really, really come a long way in the last year. And that speaks to kind of, what, again, what we expected when Dan Mullen took over. He's got a bunch of good coaches. You know, they may not eat your brakes off on the recruiting trail. And you may question some of, you know, John Hevesy's takes on the offensive line. But more often than not, and not they they hit on those evaluations and they end up producing very good players 
And I think just the, the amount of depth that we see this Florida team, Dan Mullen, I mean, man, just hats off to him, the, the, the trust that he has in his assistant coaches to be able to develop guys. You know, you talked about it, Justin Shorter. That's three straight weeks now with a touchdown pass. And this is a guy that, frankly, coming out of Penn State, Penn State writers had a lot of question marks about there him. Were, I mean, this was the number one ranked wide receiver, and I think of the 2018 class. And people were not putting the bust, you know, tab on him but there were people that were really close to that i mean they were saying this guy's a you know overweight he's this he's that and i mean he's looked really good you know obviously coming in in a shortened off season not knowing if he's going to play until he got that that waiver right before i think right before the first game of the season i mean he's starting to pick it up man yeah and it's just there's impact players all over and then again i i just go back to the ability for dan mullen and his staff to be so diverse offensively and how they attack you I mean, I cannot imagine being a defensive coordinator trying to figure out how to game plan against Florida. I mean, what do you do? You know, if, if, you, if you've got great linebackers, Georgia has really good linebackers. Guess what? They trusted them in man coverage and Florida lit them up. You know, Arkansas, they've got really good linebackers. Florida's able to freeze them and, and kind of take them out of the game. There's just so many ways that Florida can attack you. I think it's, a, it's really a testament to what Florida hired as a head coach. They hired an experienced guy that had been around the SEC for, you know, nine years as a head coach and obviously previously in that at Florida as an offensive coordinator, they have a guy that knows exactly how to answer so many different questions that defenses provide you. Now, I, I will say, Blake, you know, let's shifting over to the defensive side of the ball. To me, there's still a lot of question marks. And, you know, I, Dan Mullen, I, it's hard for me to question him because he says he sees a lot of improvement defensively. And I think there are certain areas that you can make that argument. You know, you look at, uh, I'm pulling up the box score from Arkansas. Arkansas has, you know, 400 plus yards in this game I believe and um, you know 458 yards and I guess you could make the argument and this is kind of what Dan Mullen told us today that most of that yardage came on explosive plays you know the three touchdowns that came of over 45 yards that was about 212 I think yards total so yeah you take away those explosive plays then yeah the defense looks pretty good I, I agree with Mullen on that the problem is those explosive plays have been a consistent theme for this defense. And I don't know where they get cleaned up to me. It's, you know, part of it is personnel driven on defense. And, you know, it's funny, like I had talked about uh, this off season that I thought from a recruiting standpoint, those were the guys that were really, they were doing a good job on the trail in terms of look at the uh, amount of stars and the rankings though. They, they were having very highly regarded classes on defense and I was a little bit more critical of the offense. Now it's funny, you get into the season and that narrative kind of flips, you know, the offensive guys are the ones that seem to be, you know, contributing and developing and the defensive guys, you, you know, you're wondering where are some of the younger guys that, that maybe have that, that bigger talent ceiling? Because I, I don't know, Blake, I mean, I still see, I think linebackers a big issue, I think, and you can tell me what you think on this, but I keep going back to, you know, Ventrell Miller is, is obviously playing really well and at a high level, but Amari Bernie, not very good so far there this year. Uh, Diabate, I just think he's out of position there. And, and you look at the recruiting, I think you need to recruit actual high school linebackers because you have to have those instincts. And I don't see it from some of the guys that they've played as edge rushers. And so that coupled with just the amount of explosive plays the defense has given up, I think really that's the question mark for Florida this year in terms of whether or not they can be a championship team. Yeah, I think the linebacker spot and the safety spot are the two that have really kind of been the ones that have still kind of struggled. I think the safeties back there, you know, a lot of those, you know, I don't, I don't know what the call was or what their role was, but it does seem that a lot of those safeties are the reasons why, you know, a lot of those plays over the top 
Um, you know, even in the Georgia game, there were some of those guys were open. You know, if, if they would have had a quarterback that could have hit those throws, you could have had a different game at the end of the day. And I think that when you look at the recruiting this year, safety has been a big spot for Florida. You look at their DB class they have this year, a lot of those guys are going to project as safeties for Florida. So I think that they know that that's an area, obviously, too, having some guys in the upper class there. You know, you know you're going to have to continue to restock those guys, and I think they've done a good job so far. Uh, and they still have a guy like Terry and Arnold out there, a top 100, uh, yeah, top 100 safety on the board for them. So he's kind of the cherry on top there. You look at Xavier and Sori, uh, kind of a four-star, five-star Home Depot, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, kind of one of those five-star cusp guys. That's a, one of those true linebackers, like you said. Um, and the linebacker's been kind of a spot for them too. You have uh, Dewan Black, who was you know in the 2018. 2019 class um, and he had to go the junior college route um, you've got a guy like Jeremiah Williams who is listed as a weak side defensive end but he is more of a thicker you know he's probably what you would expect Muhammad Diabate to fill into but he just hasn't quite gotten there yet so I think that they're doing a good job of getting those guys through the recruiting trail this year you land a guy like Xavier Sori who is more of a true linebacker and also athletic and I think you've got to you've got to you've got to like where your depth is a lot more at that linebacker spot and I agree I think that a lot of those guys that are the younger guys, we're kind of sitting here wondering, you know, when do they get their shot? You know, where, where are they kind of at, you know, through a developmental stage? Are they not ready? You know, I mean, we don't see what's going on week to week to practice, but, you know, a guy like Tyron Hopper, who seems to play pretty well from what he did show in that Arkansas game. Derek Wingo is another guy who is a true freshman and young, and, you know, that makes a lot of sense not to throw him in there. But, you know, I think at this point, you're going to want to start seeing those guys step in because, you know, Jeremiah um, – excuse me, yeah, uh, James Houston, um, you know, Jeremiah Moon is more of an edge guy. And then you've got Ventrell Miller, who, yes, is playing well, but they're not those athletic type of guys that, you know, yes, they can lay the hit. You know, they're really good in run coverage, but they're a little a bit of a liability in that pass coverage. So I think that those are the guys that Florida has started to recruit. Those are the guys you're going to want to see make, you know, start to get their feet wet. You're going to want to see those more athletic guys that can play a bit more coverage, a little bit more speedy guys out there because Florida's defense does like to move around and play side, play sideline to sideline. So, you know, I don't know where those guys are going to fit into the picture because I think at this year, you know, you look where you're at in the schedule. I think you'd like to see those guys start to get some more snaps. You know, Vanderbilt is a really good game this week to do get those guys feet wet and get them some really game experience because quite frankly, you know, I mean, Vanderbilt, it's probably going to be over pretty early for that game. So you can put those backups in there and you can get them some experience. And I think that that's what's well needed because those guys are going to be the future. Yeah. I think not just the future, but I think, you know, you, you really need to find some answers for what's ailing this defense. You know, the first, sure. first three weeks of the season, I think, have been clearly different than the last three games. I think the defense has shown improvements. I think they're stouter against the run, which was a huge issue early on. And that could be a Kyrie Campbell, you know, addition it is, it to, is. to help I mean, them that, up. And then, like you said, guy's not playing out of position. No, we, and we knew that would be a factor. But I think, you know, okay, you've made some improvements. The, the, the big question now is you got four games left before you play Alabama. You better figure out some of these things. And I think the secondary, I would like to see some different personnel mixed in there. I think they've started to do that. You know, a guy like Rashad Torrance, they, they obviously feel like he's playing pretty well. He met with the media today, first true freshman to, to do so this year. So they obviously feel good about some of those guys. You know, Trevez Johnson, another guy that's getting in the mix. Like you said, I think these next four games, being that we're not really expecting any of them to be super difficult. You know, maybe the trip to Knoxville proves tough if it's cold. Um, I don't know. Tennessee doesn't really scare me much, but you got at some point to Florida those. should have a chance to get those guys in there to get them some reps. If it's not, you know, late in the game when you've got some garbage time, or if it's to a point where you're have a comfortable enough lead to where you need to start getting those guys some real game experience. And and I think heavy game experience at that because you're not gonna 
you're not going to go in if you've only played, you know, some of these younger guys, a Tyron Hopper, uh, you know, Trevez Johnson. If they were only playing three or four series a game, you're not going to throw them out there as starters against Alabama. And I'm right. not sure that you need, you know, five or six different guys to step up as starters on defense, but somebody's got to start to emerge as a better, higher upside option going into this Alabama game, this likely Alabama game, because, I mean, the Crimson Tide are built to take advantage exactly of what Florida struggled with against Arkansas. I mean, you can, you can point to, you know, yeah, half of, the, half of Arkansas's yardage came on three plays, and if we just clean those up, that's fine. Okay, but you actually have to clean them up because if you don't, Mac Jones and Alabama and those receivers, they will feast on you all day. And as good as Florida's offense is, you don't want to go into an SEC title game where it's basically a 50-50 game and your offense has to hit on every single play. I mean, we don't know how long Kyle Pitts will be out. They're hoping, I think, to get him back for that Kentucky game. Um, that, that will make a big difference. Um, but to be honest, it, there's just, you know, there's a lot of question marks for Florida to solve still, and I think most of them are on defense. You know, Florida's capable of winning a shootout with Alabama, but, man, you would just feel so much more comfortable if, you know, these next couple of weeks, particularly against overmatched opponents, I mean, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, Tennessee, LSU, none of those teams are all that good this year. If Florida doesn't come out and, they, and, and really show that they do not have these issues giving up explosive plays anymore, you're going to be pretty concerned going into that SEC championship game. I mean, Kyle Trask is playing great, but you, you just got to clean it up a little bit. Absolutely. You know, and, and I think that Florida can win those kind of boat race games. You know, I think that they have the offense that's explosive enough and talented enough. But you just, you know, you kind of go back to that A&M game to where, yes, Florida and A&M at one point, I mean, they were just going back and forth. And you just don't want to have to sit there and score on 80% or every drive that you are out there because you could have a game where, or a drive where, you know, like a Malik Davis type fumble in that late A&M game. You just don't want to put so much pressure on your offense. So, yeah, I mean, I totally agree. That defense is going to have to step up. Alabama, Alabama has plenty of explosive players. They can kill you over the top. And that's where Florida's been struggling at is those, you know, long explosive plays over the top. And we saw that against Arkansas again. All right, Blake, let's take a quick break on the second half of the show. I kind of want to focus on the quarterback position. I mean, really, what can we say about Kyle Trask that, you know, has pretty good. He's pretty good. So let's take a quick break and we'll be right back talking Kyle Trask, Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. 
Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, I wanted to talk about the quarterback position because I think this game against Arkansas was probably the game that really elevated Kyle Trask onto the national radar. You know, he had had that six-touchdown season opener against Ole Miss that kind of, you know, woke everybody up a little. But then, you know, you had these – I mean, the numbers he's putting up are ridiculous. Four touchdowns. And I also there. feel like the Ole Miss game, too, the storyline after that was Kyle Pitts. You know, and you look right. at what Trask did. You know, it's, it's funny because, you know, you, like you said, he threw six touchdowns and everyone was talking about how great Kyle Pitts is, which he is really good. But, you know, I mean, the guy throwing him is not too bad either. Right. And I think, you know, I'm glad you said that because I think not having Kyle Pitts – actually woke up a lot of national writers to just how ridiculously good Kyle Trask is playing when you're able to go out there without, you know, the best tight end in the country and your biggest offensive weapon, and you still throw six touchdown passes. Uh, it was absurd. I think what five of them were in the first half. And, and it's funny because you see, you know, after Kyle Trask throws his fifth touchdown, he comes to the sideline and Dan Mullen is literally coaching him up on that. He missed a read. So like, you know, they're, they're just such perfectionists at that position. Um, I guess, Blake, let's let's talk about this Heisman race because I'll be honest, you know, watching the broadcast, you know, rewatching it, the announcers were kind of like talking about Kyle Trask like he's just entering the conversation for the Heisman Trophy. And it does feel like that's kind of a general sentiment that's out there. I'm floored by that. And I think people that cover Florida are floored by that because I've been, you know, I've been tweeting Kyle Trask Heisman watch since game one of the season with stats, you know, every time he throws another touchdown pass, which is a lot. Um and it seems like the national media is just starting to come around. Is Kyle Trask at a disadvantage because of the lack of hype he had coming out of high school? It seems like these, you know, these five-star mega elite recruits are, are kind of getting the benefit of the doubt in ways that Kyle Trask simply isn't. You know, I'm talking about Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. Is that, is that your impression too? You know, I don't know that it's necessarily – the lack of recruiting hype or anything. I think it's just the fact that, you know, let's see, what was it? Was it game three, Kentucky last year that Trask, that Franks went down? Was that three or four? Three. So I think it was just the fact that, you know, he was still going to be the backup there. You just didn't really see the body of work from, you know, whenever he started. You know, Trevor Lawrence was a guy that was getting Heisman talk like as a freshman when he won a national championship. So I don't know if it's necessarily the recruiting hype. I think that that does have something to do with it because you look at those guys. I think Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields were one and two. I know they swapped back and forth on the 24-7 sports rankings their years they were in high school. So, you know, I don't know if it has anything to do with that, but I just think it probably does have some play when you have these five-star types and you see those guys that do put up a lot of yards. I think those were the two that early part of the season, it was, you know, sure, you know, you can see the Heisman preseason watch list and all those kind of things. I'm sure there were plenty of other names on there, but come on, like those were the two guys that everyone was thinking about was Lawrence and Fields. And so I think now where you see Trask doing what he's doing and starting to get it on a bigger stage, you're starting to see him, like you said, do it without Kyle Pitts. I think that, I don't, I don't know. Some people seem to think it's, you know, just Mullen's system. It's Florida having a lot of place, uh, players around him that are really good. But when you look at how he's spreading the ball around to different guys, you know, yes, Pitts gets fed plenty. You know, Pitts is a matchup nightmare. And that's a guy that you should exploit whenever you're on the field. But when you look at what he's doing now, I think the overall body of work now where all the yards he's putting up consistently, how he's throwing, you know, four touchdowns and, you know, just consistently in those kind of games, I think that some people thought maybe, and I, you know, I could just be speaking for somebody there, but I think where the national media kind of comes in, they, you know, they think that eventually he's going he's gonna to hit a wall. You know, he's going to start to taper off, and obviously he's not doing that. He's continuing to show that without one of his biggest weapons there. So I think that's where you're starting to see that national media start to get 
picking up on things. But I agree, you know, I, I don't understand it either. I thought that, you know, heading in, I thought Trask was going to play really well. I don't know that a lot of national media had him on their Heisman watch list. You know, I thought he was kind of getting downplayed, so to say, in the early part of the season, just from, you know, preseason's award across the board. I just thought that he was getting kind of underplayed for a lot of those. And now he's starting to put things together. And I think now you're starting to see the national media. And I was surprised too, rewatching the broadcast and seeing to where these guys are kind of just talking about, this is like a new type of hype thing for him. And I mean, he's just been great all year. He was great last year in his time where he stepped in. It just seems like as soon as he stepped in, cool, calm and collective. I mean, he just never missed a beat and he just continued to just drive down there and take care of things. I do think, you know, the broadcast talking about him so much. I mean, they spent at least half the fourth quarter talking about how he compares to some of the other guys in the Heisman race. That can only help Trask, you know, going forward, getting that kind of national recognition in prime time. And our colleague at Swamp 24-7, Bob Redman, I thought made a really good point on Twitter. He basically said that, you know, because of the way Florida's schedule is played out, the Gators really haven't had the opportunity to be in front of, you know, national eyeballs all that much. I mean, what was it, three straight noon games to start the season? So not a lot of people watching those most of the time. And then you have, you know, the, the long COVID layoff where they're, they're out of the spotlight for a couple weeks. You come back, uh, you know, finally you get some primetime games against Georgia, or not primetime, I guess, with Georgia, but you're talking a national CBS game in the Georgia game. And then, and then still last a lot week, of eyes. A lot of eyes last week, you know, playing Arkansas. On a, I thought it was a pretty weak schedule nationally in Florida, you know, features in that 7 p.m. ESPN slot. So, I, that could have something to do with it too, you know, just the sheer level of exposure. And if that is the case, unfortunately for Kyle Trask, uh, the next two games are going to be at noon against teams that Florida should run through and nobody's really going to probably be watching. I mean, let's be honest, who's tuning in into Florida Vanderbilt, unless you have a vested rooting interest, you know, Florida, Kentucky, same thing, unless you're in the state of Kentucky or, or Nashville, you know, I don't know why you're really tuning into that game. So, you know, Trask, I think is going to have to battle that a little bit. You know, I think, Obviously, the SEC championship game will be huge one way or the other, you know, because Mac Jones is one of the other leading candidates as well. And I think if you can go toe-to-toe and, and kind of decisively win that contest, you've got a real shot at the Heisman Trophy. Um, but, Blake, I wanted to get to our, our five-star mailbag because, you know, I think we both feel Trask is, is deserving to be in that conversation for the Heisman Trophy. Uh, but it does beg the question, you know, who's the next guy that can kind of get that done for Florida? Because – I've been around the college game for a good while now, and I'm not sure I've ever seen a quarterback that just is so functional and understanding of exactly everything that Dan Mullen wants him to do. You're going to have a big question mark when Kyle Trask is gone, whether that's this year or the the following year. So I wanted to get to a question on our five-star mailbag from WV version three. And the question is, does Emory Jones look ready to take over should or when he needs to? Is he the future, or do we think Anthony Richardson is the future starter post-Trask? I'll go ahead and turn that one over to you, and then I'll provide my thoughts after you. You know, I think that Anthony Richardson has a lot of things that Emory doesn't, and I mean size, and he's more of a, you know, more of an athletic runner. And not to say that Emory isn't athletic and he can't run. <clears throat> Anthony Richardson seems more Cam Newtonish in his ability to run and in his size. So I think they're both going to be really good quarterbacks. I think they both factor into the future of Florida's quarterback room. I tend to think that Emory Jones, the fact that he's been in the program longer, he's had some time to kind of clean up some of that raw passing ability that he had when he was coming in out of high school. So I, I would lean towards more him as, you know, kind of the future guy after Trask is the one who's gone. I think where you look at last year where Trask went down for a couple plays in that Auburn game and Emory came in and, and was still able to move the chains, was still able to do a lot of things. Then he comes in in this Arkansas game where it's well put away, he put together some good drives. And I thought it was good to see that, 
And I had friends that were texting me and they're like, why is it Mullen running the ball? Like the game is over, run the ball, run the ball. And I threw in a point there to, to my friend. And I said that, you know, Jones doesn't have a lot of passing opportunities. He hasn't had a lot of those in, in, in this season, the game against Ole Miss, he threw that uh, interception. He's had some injuries. I believe it was his throwing hand. He had some injuries there too. So he hasn't really had a lot of those opportunities. So I was glad to see that Mullen was actually letting him throw because you're going to want to let him continue to get those game reps. You're going to continue to let him process the field out there. So it was good for me to see that from him because that it shows that, you know, he's going to need those things because it, it's, not so well whenever you're coming in and you're just a guy that's coming in and you're running every play, run, 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 run. You want to see what he can do in the passing game. So I thought he did really well in his reps that he did get, you know, the touchdown throw to Xavier Henderson. Um, I think he still has some things to clean up, but I think the ability he has to run will change things around to what Mullen does with his offensive playbook because he does play up to what his quarterback strengths are. Obviously Trask is a great throw. He throws an accurate ball. I mean, he does a lot of things really well through the air, not so much of a runner. He's an able runner. He can do what he has to size to plow through and do some things differently. But Emory Jones is more of your traditional runner, more of your traditional quarterbacks that you what you see with Mullen. So I think in that sense, he's the guy that to me is the future. I think that Anthony Richardson certainly plays into that too. I think that he's going to be one that's going to continue to get developed and he's going to want to give Emory Jones, you know, a run for his money. I mean, he's going to come in and try to do those quarterback battles going forward. But I think for what you've seen through Emory Jones when his time's there, He's, he's certainly capable. He was capable through the air. He's capable on the ground. So I think he's more of your traditional type of, you know, quarterback of what you've seen Dan Mullen have. Yeah, I think I agree with you. And I, I think if anything, we've learned anything in the last three years, it's that Dan Mullen will work his offense around the personnel. You know, they were a very different team with Felipe Franks and his running ability than they are now with Kyle Trask. And obviously they shifted, you know, kind of what they were doing from early last year to being more of the passing team we're seeing now with Kyle Trask you're going to see a different offense when Emory Jones eventually takes Absolutely. over. And I do think it will be Emory Jones simply because Florida has spent, uh, you know, some time developing him. You know, and I think Anthony him. Richardson is a great quarterback. He's a great athlete, but he's another guy who's going to continue to need to be developed. He's come in and he's raw. He didn't play for a great high school. Doesn't have a lot of, you know, big time mechanics. He has just things to work on. So I think that they both in the same fact came in, kind of on the same playing field of needing to be developed. And I think that Jones just has the luxury of having that extra time against, you know, with Dan Mullen and Brian Johnson, who are great developers. And, and Dan Mullen will not be afraid to use them together. I mean, I don't Absolutely. think there's any question that if Amory Jones is a starter, you're still going to see Anthony Richardson. I mean, that's how it's Dan just better Mullen... size. He's got that size of what you would see, you know, him using that red zone where you just have him just plow through guys. I mean, he's just a big human being. Exactly. They'll be able to put in a package to develop him the same way they did Emery, you know, making sure that he's involved, continually adding a little bit to that package and building confidence, even in big games. You know, you saw Emory Jones play early on in his career against Georgia. That's by design so that Mullen can continue to build confidence in his quarterbacks and then expand their role as they, you know, progress. And I think the beauty of Mullen's system, the genius behind it is not only does that slowly build quarterbacks confidence, it also keeps them engaged. You know, Dan Mullen, I would have to look back at his track record at Mississippi State, but I would venture to guess he didn't have a ton of quarterbacks transfer. I mean, you talk about Kyle Trask having the patience to stick things out. Uh, obviously, that's kind of a unique situation to him, being the guy that he is. But Emory Jones has been really patient so far. And I think he's going to continue to buy into Dan Mullen being able to develop him and getting him to the point where even if he only starts for two years, those two years are going to be enough to put him over the top, develop him as an NFL prospect, and eventually get him where he wants to go in the future. And I think, you know, I don't know Anthony Richardson as well, 
I don't know how, how well Emory Jones will do eventually with the whole offense when he's given that, you know, that starting role. But I think Dan Mullen is able to sell his quarterbacks on how they're being developed. I think the way that Kyle Trask is playing now is only going to further cement that confidence in Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson that whatever Dan, way Dan Mullen wants to do it, it's going to work out best for you. And so I do think Emory Jones is the guy after Kyle Trask. And I think you'll continue to see both of those guys involved, not just this year, but going forward. I think you'll see a two quarterback system where, you know, Anthony Richardson can do a little bit different stuff, you know, than Emory Jones is able to, you talked about him being a power runner. I could easily see, you know, where they kind of bring back some of that, uh, you know, zone read from, from 08, 07, you know, where they use Tebow in that way and have that be a package. And then all of a sudden you've got two different things the defense has to worry about, two different quarterbacks you got to prepare for every week. I just think, you know, Dan Mullen's history, I, I cannot question anything that he does when it comes to quarterbacks. He, he's just got too long of a track record of knowing exactly how to build them and mold them into really, really productive players. So, yeah, to answer the question, I, I think Emory Jones is absolutely the guy for the future. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't know his upside yet, but I think given what Dan Mullen's shown, he'll be able to build an offense around exactly what Emory Jones does well, you know, as more of a quick twitch runner and maybe not quite as strong of a passer uh, just from, you know, an accuracy standpoint as maybe what you see with Kyle Trask. The thought of Anthony Richardson and Demarcus Bowman back there for his own read, that's going to give SEC defenses nightmares. I mean, and we, we talked about it, man. It seems like Florida just has players for days on offense and, that development is key, and I think you can expect it to continue at Florida going forward. So. All right, Blake, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the podcast. Guys, we thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you guys submitting that five-star mailbag question. Again, if you guys want to get involved in the future in that, we shoot two episodes a week. If you want to get an episode, a question in for our Thursday episode, just go to iTunes, drop us a five-star review, leave your five-star mailbag question, and we will get to it on the Thursday edition of the podcast. That's going to do it today, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats.